Hello, and welcome back to Pause and Listen. I'm your host, Mariette, and with me today is my co-host, Jill. And we have a very special guest with us today, Rita Reimers, the multi-cat expert and fellow podcaster of the awesome 19 Cats and Counting show. Today, Rita will be talking with us about making arrangements for your pets should something happen to you. Do you have plans in place for your pets if you were hospitalized? What happens to your pets if you died? These are some of the things we will be discussing today because it is so important to be prepared, to make sure that your pets are cared for and have somewhere to go and to have money allocated for your pets. But before we get into that, Rita, welcome to the podcast and please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Marianne and Jill. Thank you so much for having me on Pause and Listen. I just love that name. Um, So I am a cat behaviorist. I specialize in multi-cat homes. I have uh, 19 cats and counting. I actually have 20. um, And I didn't set out to be a crazy cat lady. I just uh, worked in rescue for many years. And uh, I have some of cats that were special needs or that just, you know, were a little too fragile to handle uh, being shown at adoption events. And uh, my cats all get along so well that uh, when when a new one comes and joins the family, they they just stay because my cats are, you know, they welcome them to the fold and they become here uh, more self-assured and self-confident. So I don't want to rip them out of a home and put them through another change. That's how I ended up with 20. (laughs) Yes, that's the rumor is that there's another little guy there. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's Maxwell is new. Um, okay. It's I think it's been about ten days, ten eleven days now. And the story with him is uh, he showed up at uh, someone's doorstep one day. Um, they found him foraging in the trash along with the pharaohs, trying to find something to eat. Um, they've since found out that it was the cat that belonged to an elderly neighbor who passed away, and the family didn't want him, so they just put him outside. Oh. Uh, and then the people in the household, the someone came down with COVID-19. So they were going to take him to the vet to have him scanned for a chip and, you know, turn him over to a rescue. But then nobody could leave the house. So uh, a rescue friend of mine was putting out a plea on Facebook for someone to help him. And uh, nobody, none of the rescues that were very close by had the capacity or the means. So I knew I had hmm. one open spot. And I told them if someone could get him to me, that um, I would take him to the vet first. And then, well, now we knew we didn't need to have him scanned for a chip. He did not have one anyway. Um, He had a neck wound, I think, probably from a fight with one of the pharaohs. Um, I had that cleaned up. And we did a full blood test and body, you know, senior panel on him to make sure all his numbers were good. He didn't have feline leukemia or AIDS or anything. Gave, Gave him a rabies shot. And uh, now he's here. Uh, the vet guessed him to be about 12, but just from being with him this last week or so, he moves a little bit more like an older senior. I would say he may be more like 15. Mm. Um, he's already made friends with my Sebast- or, sorry, my Simon Kitty, who's like the ambassador kitty in the household. He just <laughs> stuck by him for the first few days and let him know he wasn't going to bother him, but he was there to make sure he was okay. 
And now those two, they'll go nose to nose and they'll eat right next to each other and they don't hiss at each other anymore. And so now my, my Simba and my Sweetie Pie have been up trying to make friends with him. Um, I think <laughs> Sweetie Pie has a crush on him because she'll like get up on my lap and look at him and, and then run away and run downstairs and then come back in. And I have a photo from, I think like the second day he's up on the sofa and she's up on her hind legs looking up at him. And um, I think he growled a little bit. And she just took off running down the stairs. Aww. So she likes the older <laughs> men, huh? <laughs> Cute. These guys are so funny. You know, when you have more than one or two cats, you just see a whole different dynamic to cat personality. Because there's so many different ones. I have all ages from my youngest is 14 months. My oldest is 15 uh, and all ages in between. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for letting our listeners know a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do, um, Rita. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you for giving all 20 cats such a wonderful home to live in. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm privileged to be their mom. And cats are my life. You know, when I left my corporate job and decided to trade in as my business partner and best friend says I traded in my high heels for sneakers <laughs> I traded in my BMW for an electric car I don't have the electric car anymore but um yeah my whole lifestyle changed and mm -hmm. I've never been happier oh that's great and so when and how did you get started with caring for and taking in cats well, it's kind of a long story. I guess I really should reach back to way back in the 80s, late late 80s when I was married. Um, and my ex-husband and I first moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. We both had jobs. He had an engineering job. I was in the tech field. We both had jobs that at times would have us travel to client sites. So we were gone. Um, and we had two cats. There was this wonderful lady here. She had a business called Take Care Of. And it was right when pet sitting was just on the cusp, you know, mm -hmm. Patty Moran was just starting to get known and it was just a nice business she had. She would come in and take care of your pets, water your plants, do whatever needed to be done. My ex and I could never have kept our jobs if we didn't have someone like that. So then flash forward later to, uh, you know, after I got divorced in the late 90s, and um, I was living in the Carolinas still, I decided I wanted to do some pet sitting um, along with my tech job because I never traveled. And I wanted to enable people to have someone they trust and look after their animals, look after their animals. So I just did it in my apartment complex. Um, and then I moved out to Los Angeles after I got laid off from my job. Um, I was friends with Richard Simmons out there. And long story short, um, I decided to do some cats-only pet sitting as well as have my tech career. Um, I've always been more, I love dogs too, but I've, I've always felt more uh, in tune with cats and their persona. I always kind of understood them better than I understood dogs. So <laughs> I concentrated on just cat sitting. Um, I had my tech career. I just got this big promotion. I was making six figures and Richard Simmons asked me to help him. First, I was in one of his videos. Then he asked me to produce his radio show for him on Sirius Satellite Radio, which I didn't know how to do. Um, so I was doing all three jobs at once, and I had no time and no life. I decided to take a little vacation to Maui. Now, I could never be gone on Sundays because that was the day of the radio show. So I only went for four days, and I decided, what am I going to do with my life? 
I know. I'll come home and quit the six-figure job, and I'll keep the $10 an hour job in the pet sitting and have no money. Yeah, that's what I'll do. (laughs) (laughs) So I did that, and I haven't looked back. I don't miss the the tech world at all. Um, And at that point, though, I had been doing the pet sitting on the side uh, for about three years. So that was 2008. I decided to make it my full 2008. Yeah, 2008. I decided to make it my full-time venture. Um, I left the corporate America and haven't really looked back. Great. Uh, I had my cat's only pet sitting business for 18 years until um, I merged it with another awesome company, Meowtel, which is also a cat's only pet sitting. I'm still on the board of directors and uh, the owner of Meowtel, Sonia, Petkavich. Uh, she'll be on an upcoming uh, episode of my radio show, 19 Cats and Counting. She has the same philosophy about having a, a cats-only business because some, and I'm talking about myself here too, some cat owners can be a little persnickety and, you know, <laughs> they want that cats-only, you know, person that's not going to come in smelling like they've just walked a bunch of dogs no offense to you dogs my mom has seven dogs I love them I grew up with a Labrador retriever loved him um but yeah cat people are just slightly different breed you know (laughs) so you mean when I gave my own pet sitter a four-page instruction sheet front and back then maybe that was a little too much no <laughs> like mine mine are five pages and you know i had one of my own pet sitters taking care of my cats right but i still yeah. left five pages. but you know as a pet sitter you know and i did the pet sitting for a lot of years before i um i decided to just just run the company um i liked it when people would leave me detail versus the people that would not leave me anything and i had to hunt to find the litter and the food so, yes, and in mm. fact, we just talked about that in a podcast yeah. about, uh, last week, so we agree. <laughs> you know what that's like, is, you know, you can't find anything or they don't leave you paper towels or anything. It's, it's no fun. I'd rather have too much information and too many supplies any day of the week. Oh, we, we absolutely agree with you 100%. I still <laughs> snicker when I hear Jill at the podcast last week say uh, everybody has cameras now and she's yes. rummaging through cupboards to try and find cleaning supplies and she's like I'm just looking for cleaning <gasps> supplies oh if you're watching me right now <laughs> me too I used to do that yes. too I don't know if there's a camera but if you're watching me I'm looking for yeah. paper towels because <laughs> yeah. otherwise yeah. that maybe as a homeowner it might look like you're looking for something else under the sink I don't know I mean you would think that would be common sense but Sometimes you're looking other places if it's not there. I know. I know. I do. I've opened drawers and found some very odd things, I must say. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's probably a whole other podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That could, mm-hmm. that could be a whole nother podcast. Strange oh, yes. things that happen during that the truth? <laughs> yes. Maybe in person with a whole couple bottles of wine. I, that would be a very yes. interesting oh, one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's times I wish I'd had a camera on just to video some of the stuff because you couldn't make this stuff up. You really no can. Way. No way. Yeah. Well, Rita, I thoroughly enjoy your pat- podcast and your radio show. Thank um, you. I was particularly captured by one of your guests talking about having your cats forage or work for their food and just, right. instead of just putting out bowls of foods uh, or plates of food. So how do you feel about that? And what is 
what is the, the the science behind that? Sure, that was Ingrid Johnson, who's also an awesome cat behaviorist. She actually invented some of those food puzzles. She's got a web page. Um, if you listen to her podcast, we talk about it on the podcast um, where she sells some of the things that she's she's invented. But I'm a believer in that. Um, as long as you give wet food too. The, the, the hard food in the treat puzzles should be an extra. Uh, cats are, they're very hunt focused. I mean, that's why cats are built the way they are. And they've got those sharp nails and teeth is they are just the expert hunters out there. And most of a cat's day, dusk and dawn is when they go hunting for food. They're, they're not nocturnal. Like people think they're crespecular, which means they're active most at dusk and dawn. That's when they go out looking for those little critters to have for dinner. So if you, have some things that mimics the hunt like the puzzle out there with a little bit of the hard food in it not only does it give them that hunt satisfaction but it also helps with weight gain controlling the weight i have two little piggies my gg and my peanut butter aptly named he was named peanut because he was so (laughs) tiny but now he's peanut butter because he's spread get it (laughs) um yeah so they're both pretty pretty large cats and you know with 20 i have to do some free feeding but um i also do put some things in the puzzle balls so they chase them around maybe work off some calories um it also keeps their mind sharp you know they get to hunt they have to think about what they're doing and opening the puzzle um very sad especially for a cat like a maine coon or um a savannah that needs really to have a lot of mental stimulation yeah, it's really good for those kind of cats. Um, and and why not make them work for it? I mean, we as their humans are working to pay the bills, so they have a beautiful home to live in. Right? Why not have them work for something? Uh, you know, and especially if it keeps their weight down, that's a huge thing. I know it uh, helps. Weight gain is a problem with cats, especially so. with the indoor cats. You know, you look at yeah. my fat cats laying on the bed if they had to go outside and hunt, they wouldn't know what to do. So, like <laughs> when they cast poor Max out. You know, my, my newest rescue, the senior, um, actually, I don't know if I said this, but we found out that he came from uh, a, a man who had actually died in, in the neighborhood um, mm-hmm. and the family cast him out. So you send this, you know, 12 to 15 year old senior cat out who's never had to hunt. He doesn't know mm-hmm. how to do it, even though that instinct is so fully ingrained in them. Mm-hmm. But another thing I like to do is um, I have something I call the four pegs of cat behavior. If you would indulge me for a moment, if I could talk about that. Absolutely. Because um, that mm-hmm. helps cats too um, with their hunting, uh, their instinct to hunt. You know, if a cat doesn't do some kind of activity like that, he's going to find something to destroy in your house. <laughs> Hopefully it's your cat tree, but sometimes not. Um, right. So I tell people, um, it, is, it also helps with anxiety in cats that they should practice pegs morning and evening because that's when cats are active and hunting morning and evening. So the first item in pegs is P that's for prey or for indoor cats. We call it play. That's to mimic the hunt. So you want to take like a, a string type toy, a fishing pole type wand type toy, or if your cat fetches, maybe something they can throw and retrieve really helps them work up their appetite and act like they're hunting. Um, now, if you use a laser pointer, that's fine for getting them to run about, but don't just stop. Give them then something at the end that they can catch and feel like they've caught. Otherwise, they don't feel like they've completed their hunts, right? 
Right. Um, so then the next step in pegs would be E for eat. So they've just sharpened their appetite. It also helps with picky cats because now they're hungry, right? So they tend to be a little less picky. They'll eat what you give them, um, mostly. <laughs> you know how cats can be. Right. <laughs> and then right after they eat, um, the next item in pegs is the G for grooming. So out in nature, and they do this inside too, their instinct is to get every remnant of food off of them because they don't want predators coming around to look for leftovers or to look for them to have for breakfast, right? Yeah. So, and then after that, they're ready for the S, which is sleep. Because they've just eaten a high-protein meal because cats need all that protein. And their body needs to settle down and work on digesting that protein. So you'll notice that your cat's behavior tends to be Pray, play, eat, groom, sleep. Um, so if you mimic that twice a day, that will help keep your cat uh, the hunt instinct satisfied. He's eaten a good meal. He's had his, his groom and his sleep time. Um, so that'll keep him in a, a really good uh, state of, you know, cats like repetition and things that they can expect. Uh, they, they will love that routine. That's a great rule of thumb. I like that. It also helps, too, with um, cats that have separation anxiety, um, especially as now some of us go back to work and actually leave the house after being inside for months and months. Um, you know, at first, our cats were not really liking the fact that, hey, you're on my sofa. Why are you home? Um, <laughs> well, now they're used to it, you know. So there might be some separation anxiety. So if you do pegs and you, you go off to work right when he starts grooming and he's going to go to sleep, he won't even notice you're gone. That's yeah, great. That's great. It's the same thing at night too. If you have a cat that keeps you awake at night, if you practice that right before bedtime, when you're ready to go to sleep, they'll be ready to go to sleep. Hopefully they'll let you sleep till morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes they don't or they wake no. up at four in the morning and Yeah. Mine are so eat. good that they they get up when I get up. If I have a day where I don't feel well or I can sleep in, they'll sleep in right with me, which mm -hmm. can be a bad thing because sometimes they let me sleep too long. <laughs> yeah. And now going back to, you know, kind of getting your affairs in order, um, do you recommend people getting their affairs in order for their pets at they any do. specific time of your life? Or do you think everyone should? Everyone should have a plan. In fact, I remember when I was volunteering with the Petco adoptions at Save a Life Rescue in LA, one of the questions on the form was, what will happen to your cats in the event that you are incapacitated and can no longer care for them? So mm -hmm. they wanted to, that rescue wanted to know you had somebody in mind or some plan of action um, in case you weren't around to take care of that cat. Cause you know, I can give you a heartbreaking example from personal experience recently. Um, my best friend, Linda Hall, who also for a long time was my co-host on 19 cats and counting her whole family came down with COVID. Mm. Um, they were careful. They wore masks. They were in contact with people who didn't wear masks. Um, everybody recovered except Linda's daughter's husband. So Sebastian, Linda's uh, uh, son-in-law, 38 years old. Um, of course, he had other complications, but the COVID is what he passed away from. Sure. Now, Sebastian and his wife, Nikki, had four cats. They never planned that uh, something like this would happen. Luckily, Nikki made it through, but had she passed away, there was nothing in place for her cats. Sure, because they're young. 
Mm -hmm. right? Although her mom would have taken them. Not every family. Look at Max's family. Maxwell's owner's family cast him out. I had another cat named Pickles I pulled out of the shelter the day she was supposed to be euthanized. Same situation. Owner died. Family didn't want. Put her in the shelter. She was 12 years old. Those cats usually don't make it out. Yeah. Um, so I suggest everybody have something in place. What I did is something really inexpensive. Um, I have a term life insurance policy. It's 50 bucks a month, which can be a lot for some people, but I have 20 cats. So I have a large, the policy is for a larger amount than maybe somebody would have. And that policy goes into my trust and somebody in my trust is named and they know who they are. To, they will take over the care for my cat and they will get that money to help ensure the care of my cats. Okay. So it doesn't have to be anything that elaborate, but there should you should have an understanding and written something in place right. with someone in your life who will vow to take care of your cats and make sure they don't end up euthanized in the shelter. And if you don't have someone in your life to take them, can you put in there something to the effect of... Uh, make sure they get in with this rescue that will take over and find them placement. Yes. Some rescues actually will do agreements like that. Of course, when the, when the cats come into them, they need to, they they often want a donation because you know, that's an extra burden on them taking care of an extra animal. So again, the insurance policy would be a good idea. And then the insurance policy would pay off to whatever rescue has agreed to take in your cats. Um, I had seen, I haven't seen this recently, but a while back, I had seen a couple of organizations that were set up specifically for end of life of a a human that Mm -hmm. they were, that they were going to take in those cats again, requiring a donation. So you still would probably want an insurance policy. Okay. Unless you're lucky enough to have money. Like I don't, (laughs) most of us don't. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it too, is you want to make sure you have some money set aside for them. Uh, for who, whomever to take over and be right. able to afford their and veterinary you might, appointments or anything unforeseen. You might want two people. I have two people because if one person has already passed okay, or mm-hmm. you know, like um, the person that's going to take over, she has some health problems. So if she's to the point where she can't, then the other person will. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's just really important because I see that's one of the most common stories I see of why pets end up and both dogs and cats end up in the shelter and rescue system. And for cats, the second most is inappropriate urination, which can be easily solved, but people don't know that. Mm-hmm. So that's why yeah. they should come to my website, readerrhymers.com and I will help you. Right. Yeah. And so how do people go about doing this? Can it be done easily online or would you contact a lawyer or other professional to, to do this? Um, which part, the insurance part or, or uh, helping with the PP problems? Uh, insurance part, you know, trying um, to figure out what to do, where to go. Uh, you could do a little, records. you could do a little research online and, and for the insurance policy i just went to my company at the time was nationwide i just went to them and said hey this is what i need to do and they suggested a term policy versus whole life but you know if you want a whole life policy whatever is going to make you feel good about the fact that your cats are going to be cared for and then Mm -hmm. another thing people should think about like i'm 59 years old so Mm -hmm. the likelihood that i'm going to take in any more kittens is low because i don't really want to leave any cats without me to take care of them 
Right. So mm-hmm. max is 12. But still, you know, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. And especially in, you know, if, if 2020 hasn't taught us anything, it's right. taught us that, that anything is possible. Sometimes the worst case scenario, even if you don't want to think about it, it's, it can still happen. Yeah. And I might want to say, say too, it, not necessarily upon your death, just that but also you know linda's whole family ended up sick from covid two of them went to the hospital so taking care of their cats while everybody was sick that was a tough thing right but um if if you're just you and you end up in the hospital it's good to have you know a pet sitter that you have an established relationship with you can come in and take care of your cats um we've had a number of calls during my career with just for cats pet sitting of people calling us from the hospital yeah never having met us just hiring Mm -hmm. us based on reputation because they had nobody to take care of their cats and they were in the emergency room getting admitted i would say we've probably had at least a half a dozen cases like that yeah it's happened to me too yeah see and you don't want to be in that position you want to have that you want to have met them and at least have them have your keys you don't have to worry we've had to go to hospital rooms to get keys from people yeah it's just one less thing to have to worry about when exactly. you're trying to get better. You know? Exactly. Definitely. And I so believe in pet sitters and pet sitting. Um, even though I'm not an active pet sitter now, it's still in my blood. I did it for, you know, 18 years as, as yeah. a cat's only pet sitter. And I appreciate, because I know firsthand what pet sitters go through. I, I appreciate my pet sitters. I, I tip them really well. Um, now that I don't, now that I don't have my company anymore, I still have, my pet sitter that was here in the Carolinas now works for Meowtel. Um, I still pay her extra. I pay her really well because, you know, 10 car 20 is a big deal. <laughs> but yeah. even if it was one, you know, it's a life you're taking care of. That yeah. person has command of everything in your household. I mean, yeah. they're in a sense you while you're away. And that's a big responsibility. Yes. It really is. It weighs on your shoulders. You know, I always tell people, I don't just worry about Sam and Annika, my two golden retrievers. Um, I have over 200 some clients and right. I worry every, well, not at the moment, unfortunately, but, you know, and when I say 200 clients, not at one time, but we have regulars and all of those regulars, those pets, when we walk them, when we pet sit for them, they are my responsibility and uh-huh. I worry about them. Um, you know, on a daily basis. And if we're doing pet sitting for vacation, I worry from when the parents leave until they're back to want to make sure those dogs and those cats are absolutely well taken care of and cared for and loved um, as if their mom and dad were home. Oh, for sure. On pins and needles until you get that text message, we're home. Yes. And then, you know, then you can relax and know that everything's going to be okay. Yes. a A lot of people resented having to check in. But you know that one time that they got delayed, that they couldn't talk to us, and we kept going, then they get it, you know? Right. Right. That's then exactly they get it. it. Oh, let me tell you the depth of the dedication. I'm sure you guys are just as dedicated. We had a sitter here um, named Samus here in the Charlotte area. It's awesome. I'm still friends with her. She had a stroke one morning. Of course, mm-hmm. she had cat sits to do. She called me from the hospital to say, I'm in the hospital. I had a stroke. Before I let them take me in the ambulance, I grabbed all the client keys. Can you come get them? 
Wow. Oh I went to the ER to get all the keys from her because she had the presence of mind to say, wait, don't take me out. I have to get these keys for Rita. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. Mm-hmm. That's dedication, let yeah. me tell you. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what people are paying for. Not just that you're there that day and that time, but that you're there for them in cases like that, you know, that somebody's going to make sure, even mm-hmm. if the sitter has a problem, that your cats are seen. Right. And yeah. dogs do. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, I, it's just, I, I was just say it's just a big deal with me to make sure that people have care for their pets, just like they would have care for their children if something happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there a certain amount that you suggest people put aside, or do you think that is a personal? Well, I would definitely get that, get something set up, and then make sure somebody you know knows, like. Had Samus had the stroke and was unconscious, right? The one step she didn't have in place is making sure that somebody knew to notify me. Right. But I'm asking, like, is there a special amount of money if we're putting money aside? Oh. um, Is there a magic number that you suggest or that a person can work off of? Or is that just, you just need to think about how much are you paying per day, per month for food, um, medical bills, and then kind of make that estimate, right? And uh, depending on how old your, you know. Your pets are. Yeah. That's what I would do. And, you know, whatever you can afford too, because the the more, the bigger your policy my policies for, I don't want to say how much, but it's a lot because I have 20, you know, you may not need as much with 20, but if you've got like four kittens that are going to live another 20 years, you hope, (laughs) um, you know, whatever you can afford, I'm sure whoever is going to like the person who's going to take over the care for my animals would do it without the money. Right. Right. But Mm -hmm. I think the money is a help, you know, for them. You know, and also a little incentive for them. Absolutely. Because it's just like kids in some small way, you know, some people are great about taking in, um, you know, let's just say, let's keep it to pets. But some people are good about taking in a cat or a dog if they're, say, the mom, their mom passed away or dad passed away or brother Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But other people don't treat all the, you know, all the dogs or cats the same way. They always have their own babies and then they have the babies that they're, they've taken in. Um, You know, so like you said, I just feel that the money is that incentive to take good care of them. Well, if anything happens to my parents, I'm going to be the weird lady with 20 cats and seven dogs. So (laughs) (laughs) good good thing I have a big backyard. There you go. Uh, Rita, I would like to move on and ask you another question um, that I feel very passionate about. And it was, you talked about it in one of your podcasts. Um, Please tell our audience why they should never, ever have their cats declawed. It is still a very common practice around here. And it absolutely horrifies me. That's another cause. If you, if you listen to this current podcast with, with Ingrid Johnson, she is an uh, she's a co-chair for a uh, a movement they have in Georgia uh, to not declaw. I can't remember the name of it right now. 
because I'm not in front of my computer. But anyway, you know, if look at your fingers, okay? Look at where your nail grows out of, and there's that top joint of your finger. Getting a cat declawed is like somebody cutting off that first joint of your finger. Mm-hmm. Not only is it very unnecessary, it's very painful. And when it heals, that's a big area to heal up, right? Probably is going to be tender for a long time. So think of trying to walk. Think of it if it was your toes, okay? If you took that first toe and cut, and cut off that first joint of your toe, and then you're trying to walk on the stubs that are left of your toe, that's going to be mighty tender. Yeah, and then you're still expected to be an agile cat on top of it mm-hmm. you know, for years. The, the way back when I was a little girl, or even in my, my teens, that's what you did. You got a cat, you got it spayed, neutered, declawed. Yes. That was just what you did. So I had a couple of declawed cats and, you know, luckily they didn't seem traumatized by it, but um, a lot of cats are, you know, that especially if it's not done right, there's horror stories with it not being done right and the nail growing out of the bone that's left. It's just horrible. Um, And then you also forever, you've got to worry about the feel of the litter. You know, what kind of litter are you going to use that's easy on those tender areas they do toughen up a little bit but they're always a little bit sensitive so you don't want to use a real rocky type crystal litter you want to use something that's really soft and sandy and is going to feel good on those feet or you're going to have issues with your cat going outside the litter box because you know they're going to avoid that pain as much as possible mm-hmm. is it reversible no okay. not reversible it's like actually chop the joint off Mm-hmm. Well, and so, that's, I, I remember from your podcast, that's what um, your guest said, is that the nail grows out of the bone, you know, yeah. and people don't mm-hmm. realize that. I think people mm-hmm. have this misconception that the vet goes in and he just pulls the whole nail out, yeah. out mm-hmm. of like a little pocket, and then that <laughs> grows closed, and mm-hmm. that's the end of that, yep. and it's not, it doesn't it's hurt. It's not the case. Not it is all. so not. Uh, it's okay. the- it's becoming illegal in more and more cities and states now, too. I was just going to say, God. a lot of veterinary clinics, at least in my area, I would say probably three quarters of them um, will not. If somebody mm-hmm. asks, they say, no, good luck finding somewhere else. And that's literally what they tell you because it's just, it's horrific. Yeah. 